0: We have uh, a great privilege today to have um, some special friends here with us. Frank, it's good to see you today. Good to to have with us um, Dr. Wes and Ellie Beavis. They are friends of ours. Um, They're my friends, and uh, I'll share them with you. That's cool. Some of you share your friends with me, so I'll share my friends with you. Actually, met them. It's been almost two years ago. We met. Um, we had we had humble beginnings. We stayed at the Montage together in uh, in Laguna Beach. Very humble. Um, we wore the same slippers. Well, they were actually not the same slippers, but they looked an awful lot alike. Same company, same manufacturer, and we stayed in this hotel together, and it was the president's gathering for Point Loma Nazarene University, and Kelly was brand new. We were brand new to the area. In fact, Kelly hadn't even started at Point Loma yet, knew that she was going to, and was just kind of checking out this thing that they do every couple of years, and we got to meet the Beavis family, and we're are just so honored that we've been able to maintain that friendship, and we went out to eat not too long ago and asked them if they would be willing and they're very, very busy, um, high demand, if they would be willing to come and share with us today as we're, as we're stepping into week two, um, as we've been talking about mental health, and as a church wanting to be on the forefront, because I feel like too many people are quiet about this. Too many people aren't talking, aren't having meaningful conversations, and so we're just left confused. We're left wondering, guessing, and so today we said we're you know we we kind of live by the motto "Go big or stay home." So we said we're going to go big and uh, last week, you heard from my wife, Kelly and myself, um, not the experts, just people who have shared with you out of our personal experience and struggle uh today, you're going to get to hear from the experts. They have books that they've brought um these are just two of I think like seven or eight that are out of the back table um, and as well, we will be recording today. If you want to listen again, um, if you miss if you miss something, you're like, man, I wish I would have written that down, or I wish I would have paid more close attention. Um, you'll be able to go back and revisit it online because we post our messages online. Thank you, Pastor Brian. So let me just uh, let me just start by introducing them to you. Just want to read for you just a mini bio, just so you can kind of get acquainted. I'm sure by the end of this, you'll you'll be more acquainted with them, but. Uh, Dr. Wes uh, Beavis graduated from the Sydney College of Divinity and has been ministering for over 25 years in many countries around the world. In addition to church leadership, Wes is a speaker for business groups and is the author of several best-selling inspirational books. His passion is encouraging people to push through their challenges and have a positive impact on the lives of others. He has other talents, too. Like, I walked in today, and he's, like, on stage singing. And I'm like, really? Seriously? And so, <laughs> no, very, very well. And I have a mini video if you want to talk to me about purchasing that afterwards as well. Um, Ali, his wife, has a master's degree in education. She, of course, they're married. Um, they have two sons. They moved from Australia to the United States. Um, how many years ago was that? 25 years ago. And they are both the founding pastors of Destiny People Church in Southern California. What they don't know yet is God is going to be relocating them to this area and they will be. (laughs) So good to have you guys here. We're so blessed. Would you just come and share with us today what God has laid upon your hearts? Give a warm welcome, will you?
1: Yes, so um, hopefully we will represent um, the Australian culture well, um, but we have been here for 25 years, um, so lots has changed in that time. In fact, um, the bio is not completely accurate anymore uh, because I actually went back to school and I got a master's in clinical psychology, and so currently I am... um, Teaching high schoolers, um, AP psychology, I have a private practice where I see teenagers and parents of teenagers who are dealing with the worry of raising their kids in Southern California.
2: Um, Really excited... Um... I'm both a pastor and a doctor of clinical psychology. So today you're going to kind of get a mixture of theology and psychology and mental health and and being uh, future-oriented and excited about what God is doing in your life. So, uh, you know, the guy said, you know, can we record this? And I said, well, yeah, but we're not sure whether it's going to be any good. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll just uh, let... It roll, and um, we just know that uh, we're excited about what God has done in and through us and how he's using us in the field of not only ministry but mental health. Let me tell you um, a story of a friend of ours. That's Ellie on the right, and the friend of ours, is her name is Ann Yeller. You may have heard the story of what happened to Anne uh, at Whiting Ranch in uh, South Orange County. She 's an avid biker, uh, a mountain biker, mountain biker. Mm-hmm. and her Anne on the right, her friend Debbie Reynolds um, was on the, uh, who's on the left. They went out for a ride one day, and Anne said that they were enjoying it. everything's fantastic. And uh, as I was interviewing Anne about her experience, I, I said, um, uh, What happened? She goes, Well, just out of my peripheral vision, I saw this flash of reddish brown fur. And she thought um, that uh, I had, that her and Debbie Nichols had um, startled a deer. And it was just moments later that uh, Ann realized it was not a deer, it was a mountain lion it knocked Anne off her bike, latched on the best it could onto Ann's face and neck, and just started dragging Ann down into a ravine. Debbie, on the other hand, saw what was happening and sprang into action, grabbed her ankle, and there was this tug of war between the mountain lion dragging Anne down into the ravine, and, and Debbie Nichols, who was you know, all of probably 120 pounds, um, trying to pull them both up, grabbing Anne by the ankle and, and trying to pull her back up out of the ravine. And uh, uh, in that moment, uh, the response was what we call, um, in, in the clinical world, It was it's where in your brain, you revert to a part of your brain which is all about just survival. And... God has wired us up to be, you know, unique. Um, in He's got different chemicals in our bodies that serve different purposes. And in that moment, so knocked off the bike, being attacked by a mountain lion, surge of adrenaline in both. Um, the uh, uh, everyone—that's a picture of our kidneys. Everybody in this room has probably at least one kidney, hopefully two kidneys. And sitting on top of the kidneys is the adrenal glands. And the adrenal glands get signals from the brain to release certain chemicals in the system. Um, adrenaline is one you know, that puts, her, uh, puts us on high alert. Another one is uh, cortisol. And uh, these all these chemicals help us perform certain functions. So um, I'm just going to give you, you know, Ellie, you're kind of... You're kind of scared that I'm going to take them and drag them down into the weeds, you good people, um, into a bit of chemistry. And
1: Yes, when I saw this slide, I'm like, really? For church? Okay.
2: <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about that. We do have chemists in this. <gasps> Fantastic. No. Very good. All, all right. Okay, well you can you can uh, you can check my work here, uh, but uh, what cortisol does is uh, it it uh, transforms sugar and fat into energy that our brain can use, and uh, and in certain situations, wow, our brain and body can use that uh, that chemical. Um, it suppresses some type, uh, some other biological functions like digestion. You know, if you're getting attacked by a mountain lion, you're not going, "Hmm, gee, I really wish I had some breakfast. I'm kind of hungry right now." No, because the, you, the body is all about survival, not digestion at that point, and uh, and, and reproduction gets down, you know shut down as well. It's one of the things I say to uh, uh, guys, especially. You know, if 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 your wife is really under stress. You know it 's like yeah the whole that that whole romance thing is going to be shut down for a little while, and uh, so um, don't push it don't push it let you know let them come out of the stress zone. Um, you're going to jump in and say anything? I'm just going to keep I, really quiet. I, I tread on very dangerous territory with what <laughs> I'm just I just... just
1: keep very quiet for a little while. You just keep
2: going. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm digging a good hole, aren't I? Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got adrenaline. Surge puts us in high, high alert. Cortisol keeps us there. Then there's another chemical called dehydroepiandrostrone. Okay, everybody say that with me. All right. I'm just kidding. It... Oh, you'd actually do much. It took me. It took me months to get that, get that into my brain. But this is a neurosteroid which uh, helps your brain to grow. So just as testosterone is a hormone that helps your body, your muscles to grow when it's under stress, um, dehydroepiandrosterone is a neurosteroid that helps your brain to grow through stressful situations. So you need both. Neither is kind of, well, that's the bad chemical and this is a good chemical. No, you need both. What is problematic is when you when you have the ratio not right. Because God meant us to have the ratio at a certain point for most of our time in our life. Um, so if you've got high cortisol and low dehydroepiandrosterone in your system... Um, that's associated with harm to your immune system. Um, it also uh, is connected with... It places you at greater risk for depression. So, you know, which is really challenging because um, our media and the world in which we live loves to traffic in high alarm situations. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not wanting to you know, uh, downplay the significance of the coronavirus, um, But it seems like everybody is on high alert. Everybody is panicking.
1: I was going to say, the Australians especially, have you seen them in the media? They're buying up toilet paper. I don't know why, but Australians are very frantically stockpiling toilet paper because they're very afraid of the coronavirus. So fear has gripped Australia and parts of the United States as well.
2: Um, So... But if you flip it, if you have high dehydroepiandrosterone, DHEA for short, and low cortisol, that has been determined to be linked to reduced reduced anxiety and depression, reduced heart disease, and reduced brain cell deterioration. In fact, um, one of the benefits of dehydroepiandrosterone in your system is it causes the formation of new brain cells, in your brain. And like, who can't do with a few more extra brain cells? <laughs> um, so now, this is the latest research, mental health research that comes out of Stanford University. When they, they say that it's, it, it, you know, there are times when it's really appropriate to have high cortisol and low DHA, it, it, uh, dehydroepiandrosterone. It's very appropriate. Um, if you feel you're under attack or life is under threat, that's appropriate. But not to live as a general course of how you live your day, constantly amped up with cortisol in your system. Um, so what the Stanford research team has determined is that when you've got high dehydroepiandrosterone, low cortisol, that's what they call the growth index. And it's associated with persistence. So if you've got that ratio, you're more persistent, um, you've got greater resilience. Uh, you're able to perform better. Um, you've got greater focus, superior problem-solving skills. I mean, wow, there have been some times in our marriage, in our life, where uh, uh, I wish I had some superior problem-solving skills. Probably, I was probably amped up on cortisol, not enough on dehydroepiandrosterine. I remember Shane and Kelly, when we were planting our church, I mean, we, we were planning our church when we went into the, uh, the Great Recession. I mean, it was really, it was, it was so tough. We had to bring our kids in and say, hey, kids, times are really tough. I think we're going to have to let one of you go. Uh, so, uh, um, so the question is how do you activate? The growth index. How do you get the flip? Because the world at the moment is amped up on cortisol, low on dehydroepiandrosterone. How do you get the flip? And what the uh, researchers have discovered is something that God has known all along, because He designed us this way. It's how you view stressful events that determines the flip. So, in other words, if you you know if a stressful situation comes and you're going. I can't handle this. This will be the death of me. I don't, you know, I, I shouldn't be having to face this, and um, that's going to amp up your cortisol. That's going to that's going to suppress your immune system, make you more susceptible to becoming sick. Um, our son Zach is uh, he's in medical school, and he he's he's starting to teach us stuff I never knew. He said, Dad. Um, we, we, when people have suppressed immune systems, um, they are susceptible to what we call opportunistic infections. So when we're, when we're actually... When we've got the growth index the right way, our immune system is high. When it's flipped and our immune system is low, we are more susceptible to be able to... So let, let that be your takeaway. If you're amped up with fear and worry, you know that actually is going to suppress your immune system and make you more susceptible to catch whatever's going around.
1: And sometimes our fear and worry aren't even the very big things. Um, You know, living in Southern California, traffic can put you in a state of cortisol overdrive. And, Mm. um, you know, as a parent, it can be just a subtle, constant worry and constant stress, and that cortisol is constantly um, going. And so even though, you know, we do get that surge of adrenaline, um... A lot of us live with constant surges all of the time, worrying about our work, worrying about our friends, worrying about our children, and those things will keep our cortisol moving through our system at a rapid rate.
2: Yeah, leading to what we probably have heard, adrenal fatigue, because our you know our adrenal glands are operating in a way that God never intended. You know, be constantly be you pumping uh, adrenaline and cortisol into our system. So whereas if the if you say the opposite. I believe, regardless of what I faced, that God is with me, and He will bring good out of it. So that you know, so there we've got the two mindsets, and it's, it, it can be the same stressor, but people can look at it two different ways. One person can say, you know, get all stressed and say, "Oh my goodness, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This will be the death of me," and yet others, the other person can say, "No, I believe." I You know, regardless of what I faith, God is with me and he's going to bring good out of it. So church, I want to do that as a, um, a, let's all stand up because uh, as a clinician, I know that our brains perform better, 7% better when we're standing than sitting. Just a little takeaway. So um, I really want to uh, drive this home by us saying it together. And uh, so... And, and you've already proved that you're good at doing this. So uh, ready? I believe regardless of what I face, God is with me and he will bring good out of it. Now, that's a fantastic practice run. Let's go again. All right. I believe regardless of what I face, God is with me. And He will bring good out of it. Okay, now let's really go for the gusto. Dig deep and say it like you believe it, with every little adrenal gland squirt of of dehydroepiandrosterone that God's put in there. All right, loud voices. I believe, regardless of what I, God is with me. And he. now let me ask you: Do you feel a little surge? You know, in your system, it's like that—that that feel good. That's, that's your adrenal glands pumping out some of that, that divine hormone that God has given us, dehydroepiandrosterone. And when you say this, it, it actually causes your body physiologically to do different things. And, and what we're, as mental health um, clinicians, we're advocating for doing what God has said. Um, and say, stay standing. Um, I'm wondering, is there anybody in the house that would be bold enough to read this out, Ellie, Ellie has a microphone, to read that, this out, this verse that God has given us for the benefit of us all. Just put your hands up. Here we go. Read that hand. Okay. Fantastic. Your name is? Luke. Luke, thank you, Luke. L- big, loud, bold voice. Okay. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Okay, some, uh, somebody else. Somebody over this side. There we go. Your name is? Rochelle. Rochelle. You, Rochelle, I, you have a Hawaiian accent. Is that? <laughs> my ear is very tuned. Well, that's very good. <laughs> All right, Rochelle, go for it. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand fantastic see fear and worry lowers your immune system increases the possibility of depression whereas the word of god is setting us up for our system physiologically to put us in a state where we're less susceptible to sickness where our immune system is is heightened and Neurogenesis, the formation of new brain cells, happen when we're in stressful situations but we have a godly view of those stressful situations. So um, Ellie, who who wrote this?
1: Uh, Someone in the Bible. (laughs) No, I do remember this one. Uh, This was written by our friend, the Apostle Paul. And he was probably sitting in a nice montage hotel with fluffy slippers and a robe when he wrote this. Um, And these are the words that he says. In fact, you can sit down, relax, and listen to these words because they are life-giving words. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
2: So, you know, we could ask the question, well, you know, obviously, you know, the person that, you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, very positive, very, very, um, you know, lots of dehydroepiandrosterone going there, you know, it's when he was writing that. Where, you know, where, where could he have been, you know, in the montage? No, no. The Apostle Paul was, uh, you know, experienced the very opposite from that. And, in fact, let me, uh, let me just give you a little... Um, Background of one scenario that he was in and the Apostle Paul having had a, a radical transformation of his life. Jesus had, had, had revealed himself in such a way that Paul went from the persecutor of the church to somebody who was an advocate and a church planter. And so uh, he, was, he was doing his very favorite thing in Jerusalem. He was sharing about Jesus and... He got arrested and they hauled him in. They saw Paul had become a troublemaker and they just thought, we know how to shut troublemakers down. So they're about to, you know, they stripped him off, ready to, ready to give him the, the, uh, the cat of nine tails, um, 40 lashes save one. That type, of, that type of corporal punishment would beat a person, you know, sometimes within inches of their death. And so Paul in that stressful situation said, hold on. I'm a Roman citizen. Uh, is, is this how, you know, is, is this due legal course in, for a Roman citizen? They were, oh, okay. Um, then, and, and so Paul appealed to Caesar, and they said, fantastic. If you're appealing to Caesar, off to Caesar you go. So they put him on a slave ship, and uh, uh, this, was, this was no cruise ship. This was a, a wooden, uh, not a slave ship, a prisoner ship, uh, along with over 200 other prisoners, um, and they start off in Caesarea, and the little dotted black line there shows a you know, kind of hugging the, hugging the, uh, the coast, and then they, they set sail for Crete, and they first stop in Fairhaven, in the island of Crete, and, and then the captain decided he wanted to go to Phoenix, um, to winter in Phoenix, I guess. A lot of Americans like doing that too. Um, I, I, I have no idea why the captain didn't want to stay in Fair Harriers. Maybe there were better restaurants, better nightlife or something in Phoenix. I don't know. But they thought it was just a quick trip, point A to point B. In fact, it was not a quick trip. They got sucked into the vortex of a hurricane. And, uh, I mean, Ellie, could you imagine what it would be like to be on a relatively small vessel compared to what we have today with with prisoners and um that
1: yeah I don't even like being on cruises when they start getting a little bit, you know, a little bit bumpy. I imagine it was nothing like a cruise ship. Sanitary? Probably not.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um do you think knowing what we know about um you know that I, I I would imagine that people were not were not eating well on the ship. Um Maybe there was, you know, seasickness. It were pretty brutal conditions. And then it says here, and if you've got your Bibles there, open up to Acts chapter twenty-eight, verse one. So Paul manages this. This comes straight after the, the they see land. They head for land. Instead of pulling up at the beach, they hit a sandbar. The, uh, the surf was bashing the ship to pieces. The centurion was carrying through his normal process of, you know, we let no, um, unlike the American military, we leave, you know, no man left behind. The, the Romans were no alive prisoner left behind. We'll kill them all. And then Paul managed to say, no, God has revealed to me. Nobody's going to lose their lives. And so the centurion changed his mind said, okay, grab what you can. Let's make it to shore. And so, Ellie, can you read just here? Oh, no, I don't have glasses. Oh, you don't? Okay. It's terrible
1: getting old. I can read up there, but not there. Sorry.
2: (laughs) Okay. Once safely on shore. We found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. I mean, isn't that the greatest thing? When you've just been through, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use this word very specifically. When you, when you feel like you've been through hell on earth, and that's what must, what it felt, to go to a strange place and discover that people were treating you with unusual kindness. And I think this is what Radiant Life Church, what Gordon, you were talking about. You know, we are a church that because of what the Spirit of God is doing us, we can show unusual kindness. And so what a relief it must have been for Paul to experience unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. Now, I mean, this is is how solution-oriented Paul was. like He he obviously went and got some brushwood because he could sense that the fire was dying down. And so he goes off, grabs some firewood, and as he's throwing it on the fire, a snake, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Which is a real good thing for anybody in leadership. You know, it's great when the crowd is with you, but do not depend upon the crowd for your strength in ministry. Because the crowd will sometimes be there showing you unusual kindness, and then other times they'll be calling you bad names like murderer. uh, Jesus had experienced that. You know, one week, Hosanna in the highest, next week, crucify him. And so it goes on, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Now, I don't know about you, um, but Ellie and I, you know, in our, in our, I mean, we aspire. 56 years, you're our heroes. That's where we're heading. And look, they look so young and so fresh and green. It's so awesome. So uh, please uh, tell us your secret afterwards. We've, um. Have you ever been in the situation where you're just so pushed to the, very, to the very limit? And imagine Paul was in this situation of, I mean, if you could imagine, he was arrested, almost flogged, put on a prisoner ship, um, sucked into the vortex of a hurricane with all these prisoners, unsanitary condition, sea land, oh my goodness, we could be saved, but hit a sandbar, the ship is going to be smashed to pieces. The centurion says, right, gives the order to kill all the prisoners. And finally, you get to shore and, and, and it's like it, there's a fire there. And, and you go, and, oh, I really appreciate the unusual kindness. And then Paul, trying to go the second and third, fourth, fifth mile, gets bitten by a snake. Now, I don't know whether you've ever hit your limit.
1: Yeah, you have those moments where you're like, I can't take one more thing. That Just, I cannot deal with one more difficulty, one more thing that's going to cause me concern or worry or stress. And then that one more thing comes. And, I mean, Paul's response to it is, what does he do?
2: It's, yeah, he he, well, I'll tell you what my response would be. My response would be like, you know, as the deadly snake is hanging from my hand, my response would be, God, with all due respect, <laughs> you've got to be joking. Are you kidding me? Really? Uh, I mean, I, was, I, I wasn't operating a bar in Jerusalem. I was, I was preaching about Jesus. God, are you kidding? And, and when you think of it, God could have in that moment He could have said, listen, Paul, I know this is crazy right now. I know it just looks really bleak, but I tell you what... You know, because you're shipwrecked here, it's gonna bring some amazing things here. Paul, just sit back. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll out the celestial PowerPoint and, and and I want to show you some things here, Paul. Did you know that in 2,000 years there's gonna be a bay, a luxury bay, that's gonna be named after you? All people with their luxury launches from all over the world, they want to have their, their luxury condominiums on St. Paul's Bay. I know, Paul, with the snake hanging from your hand, it looks pretty. Pretty bleak, but in 2,000 years, I'm telling you, Paul, there's gonna be, on the island of Malta, there's gonna be an amazing cathedral, and it's gonna have your name on it, St. Paul's Cathedral, and lots and lots of people won't go there. And Paul, gee, oh, Paul, I know it's a, you know, with that snake, it's a, really, it really is, but look, do you know there's gonna be a street named after you, and it's gonna be one of the most popular streets in all of Malta, everybody's gonna to wanna to live there. Uh, quite crowded, actually. Um, But Paul, Paul, and yet there is more. Paul, did you know that there is going to be a luxury spa (laughs) named after 66 St. Paul's on the island of Malta? Now, you know, God could have done all that, but he didn't. Because he knew that, that Paul was thinking thoughts like this. I believe Regardless of what I face, for God is with me. And he will bring good out of it. And so he shook the snake off into the fire. And the Bible said he suffered no ill effects. Now, when you think of it, Paul was on a prisoner ship. In, in the bleakest of conditions, talk about stress. Talk about having one's immune system lowered. I, I couldn't think of um, you know, being stress after stress after stressful situation. His immune system could have been suppressed. I just wonder, because he was a guy that, that just was of the spirit of, I believe that regardless of what I face, God is with me. And he's going to bring good out of it. I wonder whether that had any influence on his growth index, where his immune system was high. Because instead of beating himself down with massive, massive flushes of cortisol into his system, he just had lots of dehydroepiandrosterone. Because his view of things, was his view of, oh, you know, What's God doing? You know, God, you know, I can't believe that God's not, you know, protecting me. Where's God's hedge of protection when you need it? You know, where, you know, what what, God must be so, you know, He must be so busy with, you know, blessing the rock church that He hasn't got time for, you know, it's like all this, this type of, you know, cortisol inducing, um, thinking process. But Paul was just, no, God's got this. God's got this. It may cost me my life here on earth, but God's got this. And I think that that may have had an influence on his immune system.
1: I think sometimes for us, you know, when I think about that story of Paul, because we, we know how it ends, you know, we, we know the ending. We know about the luxury spa at the end. I mean, we, we know... Um, how it ends. But when we're in these times of stress and uncertainty, there is so much we don't know. And so, you know, when I'm talking to people in, um, you know, clinical situations, I'll describe it like this. There's, There's what we know and there's what we don't know. And between what we know and what we don't know is an awfully big gap. And what most of us do with that kind of a gap is we fill it with things. If there's a gap, we start filling it. There's a gap, so I'm going to start filling it with my worry. I'm going to start filling it with my fear. I'm going to start filling it with all my imaginations of the worst possible way things are going to turn out. And um, I, I think sometimes we need to be aware of that gap. There's what I know, and there's what I don't know, and then fill it with, with words like this. Fill it with God's word. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that's, that's what we should be filling the gap. Um, with. You know, we, we all live in, in, in having to deal with a gap when it comes to our kids, you know. There's what we know, where they're at now, where they're going to end up, well, we don't know. And there's an awfully big gap. But fill it with faith and those faith-filled statements and we get that, that, that what's that stuff called?
2: Dehydroepiandrosine. Yeah, thank you.
1: Yes, flooding our you system. you like me to say that again? No, that's good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and... The faith statements that we that we've all been declaring today, it's good for mental health, and I've given you some of the new neuroscience behind it, because what Stanford, you know, the brightest minds of Stanford University, led by Dr. Kelly McGonigal, have worked out that it's, it's stress stress is not the enemy. And, and I think sometimes we live in a culture that says, oh, yeah, you know, don't, you know, we must, you know, if, if something's stressful, then something's wrong. No, if something's stressful, for those that believe, it's an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for God to be able to expand us. And God can't expand us if we're just so, you know, uh, drawn into the thick weeds of, of panic and worry and fear. And so... God, he's designed us. He's put adrenal glands to secrete the, the appropriate chemical into our system for the appropriate time. Now, if, if any of us were you know, being chased by a mountain lion, you know, I, if you didn't have cortisol running through your system big time, there'd be something wrong with you. Um, but in general life, I really believe the evil one wants us to be amped up on stuff that will ultimately make us sick and make us more risk-prone to depression, anxiety, and so on. And God's way is, listen, here are these things that I declare over you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, so many mental health benefits to being thankful you know, listen. In clinical practice, Ellie and I, you know, some some of the interventions we use is just like
1: yeah, we'll just get people to do gratitude journals. It's it's often very therapeutic in and of itself, of just every day list list the things that you're thankful for, and it brings about that that change in, in how we view our, our life. And sometimes we can we can do all the best um, you know self help kinds of things and say the best things to ourselves and. And we'll still be plagued by anxiety or we'll still be plagued by depression. Um, I grew up with a dad who um, was diagnosed with um, a bipolar 2 disorder and that meant long seasons of depression where he wasn't able to get out of bed. And I know that there's, there, there are mental health things that do come upon us and the evil one does want to tell us, therefore, there's something wrong with us. Uh, you know, well, you, you know God's word and you're still struggling. So really, what is wrong with you? Um, and so it's just that reminder that um, just keep pressing into him and his word. And if you're in a season of ongoing depression, it doesn't mean that this is all there is for you. I mean, God can take even a depressive season and do some good in it. I mean, I think of Paul and, and that season he was in.
2: Yes. And, and as clinicians, we, our position isn't that depression is the enemy or anxiety is the enemy. As, as a clinical psychologist, depression is very important God has has wired us up so that depression is an, is an indicator that something needs to be looked at. It's like a, a check engine light on the dashboard of, of your life. Um, and sometimes it, God has used depression to reveal that there are things in our life that need to be modified, need to be adjusted, need to... Um, Have have better sleep or just, you know, be, uh, you know, don't put ourselves on the bottom of the rung of, of, you know, making sure everybody else's needs are met before we before our own. You know, sometimes uh, depression is there to tell us something. So don't don't allow the evil one to think that, well, you're damaged goods if you experience depression. No, it's it's an opportunity if you if you have the right view of it. Now, if you go, "Oh, I'm depressed. I'm never. I'm broken. God can never use me." I'm de-, and what, what's that going to do? Is going to amp up your cortisol. But if you say, "I'm experiencing a season of of depression or anxiety," and and God's going to use this to to help develop me, and help me be um, more empathetic to others who may be struggling, and so. So I love this. Paul goes on. uh, It just says that there was an estate nearby, belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us, lots of hospitality. Um, But his father was sick. And so Paul went in and prayed and healed him. And when this happened, the Bible says the rest of the island came And I just wonder, would that have happened if Paul was just all sucked down into the weeds of woe is me? You know, if God really loved me, why would he let bad things happen to me? But he wasn't. He was of the, I believe, regardless of what I face, God is with me and he's going to bring good out of it. So Paul just went about, what are the needs? Let me me go and minister to the needs. And uh, because of that. Malta became the first nation in all of Europe to become a Christian nation. In fact, today in the 2018 census, 95.2% of the population of Malta checked the box for Christian religion. All because Paul had the growth index in the right place. Way. By his belief, Paul activated his adrenal glands to secrete dehydroepiandrosterone, the growth factor. By his faith, by his belief, he activated that, and and he's got no better access to that than all of us in the room here. By our faith, by our belief, by us trusting when God says to us, "Listen, be anxious about nothing, but everything." By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, God, God's going. To, Be that oriented because I've geared your adrenal glands to respond to that in positive ways. I mean, isn't he the one
1: that says... Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and so you know those yeah. are his words you know be transformed, allow the Holy Spirit to transform the way we think about situations, when we encounter those those fears, those worries, those anxieties that might lead us to have depressive thoughts to to allow our minds to be transformed and and, and let you know the power of the Holy Spirit transform the way we think about things, the way we view the way we speak over them.
2: Yes. So this is an opportunity, church, for us. Of course, you know, we, you know there is reason to be vigilant with regard to uh, the, the virus that's out there. Um, but to panic, because the world is panicking right now. They're, they're stressing out. Cortisol levels are off the charts. And it's, it's possible for us to be wise, but also not to add to that panic the type of people that, you know, regardless of what we face, God is with us and he's going to bring good out of this. And I believe that that's a, that's a mission that everybody in this church can have this coming week. In a week that's really panicking, you don't need to add to it. In fact, you've got, you've got great statements that you can say, a view of this that will help increase your immune system. In fact, this is what, this is what the growth factor does. It, it leads to reduced anxiety and depression. More neurogenesis, more brain cells. And I'm telling you, you know, it's like, isn't that great? Because at one time science was saying you know, we're born with all the brain cells we have. You know, from that point on, it's just all about how many brain cells we, we kill. No, right, right, to, right to our our. Ladder, very latter stages of life. Our brain can be, through the process of neurogenesis, creating new brain cells. And I just love that because with new brain cells, God's got more neural pathways that he can have influence over and deploy for the purpose of the kingdom. Um, increased persistence, uh, increased resilience, increased performance, greater focus, Superior problem solving skills. That's what happens when you refuse to allow yourself to be driven by the panic, driven by the fear, driven by the worry. Instead, I'm going to be driven by the great concepts of God that he's given us. That we could stand and say, I believe because of who God is, that indeed I don't have to be anxious about anything. So... Uh, Tim, if you can bring your your team up, I, Ellie and I would just love to pray for you. And yeah, you'll still need that. Um, we did, uh, thank you, Pastor Shane, for, uh, for just letting us know we've got that book. Um, I have a quick question. Yes. What happened
0: to the young lady that
1: oh. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I was supposed to remind him if he forgot, and I forgot too. <laughs>
2: Lord, give her more neurogenesis, um, right? Seriously,
1: seriously.
2: Yeah, story? Uh, yeah. Because Dawn, you're awesome. Thanks for. Um, in interviewing Anne, she said that she heard Debbie Nichols screaming. Using righteous cuss words, <coughs> saying, you are not going to kill my friend. You are not going to take my friend. And so there was Debbie Nichols pulling Anne back up a ravine. And the, the mountain lion, as it pulled in this tug of war, pulled Anne down backed into a tree, and Ann said this all the time, the mountain lion was struggling to be able to get a purchase on the neck because her bike helmet had, had fallen down, and I just wonder, you know, is it, you know, is it God, I, I, it's going to be great to figure out, but it's not beyond God just to, you know, just, we're just going to move that, that bike helmet down to protect your neck area. And I said to Anna, I said, what were you thinking? And she goes, it's amazing the dialogue that goes along in your head when you're you know, in that, in that fighting for your life moment. She said, it would have been so easy to give up. But she said, I believe life is worth the fight. So I did. Fortunately, there was another group of bikers that came, they saw the commotion, they started throwing rocks at, uh, at the mountain lion, and the mountain lion backed off a little bit, but it was just there, and then, and then some paramedics came in, and uh, you know who I take my hat off to, the paramedic that was putting an IV in Ann's arm with a mountain lion about 20 feet away. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine doing that? <laughs> yeah, hitting the target. Anne has uh, has become an, an amazing testimony, and she uh, she was every all the the major networks all wanted Anne once she had recovered on their program, and Anne would say, "I'm I'm only I'm only going to come and be interviewed if you let me say that it was Jesus who saved me, and that." Jesus gave me reason to live, and she said some networks were really leery of that, but others were okay. Whatever, whatever. But she's an amazing testimony, and so Don, does that uh, does that give you enough information? I would hate to think that you went went away from church going. But what happened to Anne? What happened to Anne? There you go. She's an amazing friend. Amazing girl and uh, just uh, help me be able to just, you know, express what's going on in our brains, what's going on in our system that God has made and he's made it wonderfully. And uh, so be encouraged. Church, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for your pastors, Shane and Kelly and uh, Ellie, if if you would lead us.
1: Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you know each person in here and you know the struggles, you know what's going on in their world that is making it difficult for them to sometimes manage the fear, sometimes manage the anxiety, manage the depression. Lord, I pray that in this time you would encourage them. May they walk out of here with a sense of knowing that um, they can speak against those things, by the power of your word. Mm. May they also know that they can have that that power that comes from you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us, Lord. So I do pray that we would always reach reach for that power, Lord, that we would not feel defeated and um, demoralized but instead trust in you that we would just, in in seasons of hardship, seasons when we want to give up, that we would just trust in you and the work that you are doing. Lord God, I pray for Pastors Shane and Kelly as they continue to lead this church. I pray that you would continue to um, give them the strength that they need um, in moments where uh, they may feel like they're, they're... They've got a snake attached to their hand, Lord. I pray that you would help them. You would be their strength. You would be their encouragement. I pray for every person here, Lord, who has taken the time out of their weekend to be here as community, to worship together, to pray together, to encourage one another. Lord, I just thank you that you love us this much, that you love us this much to create us in a way that helps us to handle these things, but you also made us to be your children because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And we thank you for that. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.